May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. Welcome to Parkway Fellowship. So glad that you're here today. Uh, Today we are in week two of our message series, Inside Out. And if for whatever reason you missed week one, please, please, please go to our website at parkwayfellowship.com and go back and listen to that. Go back and watch it from our website because I'm telling you, the things that God showed us last week, I mean, game changers as far as life goes. Because we talked about how God begins to make lasting change in our lives. Because, you know, honestly, for most of us, we don't have problems making initial change, right? Our problem is two months later, following through and making that change last over the long term. But look, God wants changes that he initiates in our lives. He wants those changes to become permanent. He wants them to become a permanent part of us. And we also learned last week, just to kind of recap right quick, that when, if I'm going to change, I have to allow God to change my way of thinking. It starts with my way of thinking, not in how I feel. And if I will allow God to change my way of thinking to align with how he thinks about, you know, a certain topic or a certain issue, and it's in that moment that when my thinking changes, that my behavior also changes, and then that's how God changes me from the inside out. Which, by the way, that brings us to our topic today. It's the topic of lying. Which, when I first realized that the Apostle Paul in his writings in Ephesians, that this was the first thing that he deals with when he talks about making lasting change, I thought, this is great, because I've already got this one down. Like, I made a decision a long time ago that I was going to tell the truth and I wasn't going to lie. So bring it on, Paul, like I'm ready. And this is usually the time of the message when, you know, I'll tell you a funny story, like, from my life, you know, about how I learned about this, or, like, something that happened to me that has to do with the topic for today. Um, But I'm not going to do that today. That's not going to happen today. Because when I started diving deeper into this message and getting ready and preparing and researching, I realized that inadvertently, unwittingly, I was doing the exact things God says not to do when it comes to lying and honesty. And I didn't even know it. And I'm going to tell you, this week, like, I have reaped some of the consequences of that. God has brought some of those consequences to the very forefront. And so I'm telling you, like, for me today, like, this message is incredibly raw. It's it's incredibly real for me today. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about like that later in the message, but let me just let it suffice to say this. Be open to the fact that there might be something God wants to do in you today. Because this lesson about lying is more than just something we need to make sure that we tell our kids. That God has brought you to church today for a reason. And so there's something today that he wants to realign in you about how you think so that he can change you from the inside out. So let me give a little uh, context to this because, you know, look, it feels like, I don't know about you, but it feels like to me that like we all just sat down in the dentist chair and like, okay, what comes next? You know, so let's drill down into what God has to say to us today. And I actually mean that 
pun intended. So uh, let's drill down what God says. The context is that Paul the Apostle has just spent, a, a few years ago, has, has just completed uh, spending almost three years with the Christians in the town of Ephesus, preaching every weekend, telling them how to become better Christ followers. And so now that he's gone, he gets word that a lot of those Ephesian Christians have stopped following through with their commitments that they initially made, that they've gone back and reverted back to their former way of lifestyle. Now look, this is important. Not that they don't believe in Christ, okay? They do. They're still Christians. But they're having difficulty in making the changes that God started last. To which you and I go, like, I know what that's like. Like, I have done that. I can't tell you how many times. And so Paul says to them, and he says to me, he's like, he tells the Ephesians, like, look, you not being able to fall through a change, it has nothing to do with your willpower. It has everything to do with the fact that you need to allow God to change the way that you think. And when you allow him to change the way you think to the way that he thinks, then that's how your life changes. <coughs> so, then Paul gives five ways that the Ephesians can change. Five topics where he thinks they can change. Now, I, this is, I don't think Paul means this to be an exhaustive list. I think Paul just identifies five key ways that he knows that the Ephesians need to change. And so for us, we need to realize that, hey, if we just knock out all five of these things in our own personal life, that doesn't mean like, like woohoo, like we're good. I don't have anything else I need to change in my life. No, Paul just simply says, hey, these are five examples. These are five ways that probably most people need to change. And this serves as a model for how God wants to change you in any area of life. And the first area that Paul grabs onto is the area of lying. So what does God say is the truth about lying? This is your first film, so go ahead and pull out your message notes. He says this. He says the real issue is being false, not just lying. The real issue is being false, not just lying. Ephesians 4.25 Here's, the, here's what he writes. He says this, is therefore each of you must put off falsehood. I want you to circle the word falsehood. It's very important. And speak truthfully to his neighbor for we're all members of one body. Now, look, when I read this, you know, you and I, we, we think, oh, okay, Paul means lies. And so I need to stop lying. I need to tell the truth because, which is really great because the truth is, I pretty much got that covered. But what, but Paul does not mean just lying because during my research this week, I discovered that this word falsehood that he uses here, it really means being false. If you want to write that down, you can't. It means being false, and it encompasses way more than just lying. In fact, this word being false really means any, this is your feeling, anything that is not genuine or is untrue. It's anything that's not genuine. And to show the Ephesians so what a big deal this really is, this specific word that Paul uses is only used 10 times in the entire New Testament, three of which occur when Jesus is describing the devil himself. Look what the Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 44. It says this, and this is Jesus talking. He says, you, and he's talking to the hypocritical religious leaders of the day, he says, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, I want you to circle the word lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar. Circle the word liar. And the father of lies, circle lies again. Okay, 
This word lies and liar is this exact same word that Paul uses back in Ephesians. So look, when Jesus is talking about the devil himself, he says that the devil is false when he speaks his native language because he's a falser and he's the father of falseness, which is like totally weird sounding to us, so we just translate it as lies. But I'm telling you, It includes so much more than that because it includes anything that is not genuine. Now, let me just pause time out here for a second. One of the biggest falsehoods that the devil tries to sell people is the falsehood of you don't really need a savior. I'm telling you. The devil tells people that, you know, you don't really need a savior because, look, God is good. You're generally a good person. And so God, when you die, God is going to let you into heaven. Of course he's going to. And look, and that sounds like it should be true, but according to the Bible, it is a falsehood. It is a lie. There's nothing in the Bible that says that you and I are going to get to heaven based on our own good works. Not true. The Bible says that, yes, God is good, and God is so good that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross because the truth is your sin, any sin, separates you from God. And so you need a Savior to save you from the consequences of that sin, no matter how much or how little it is, because sins aren't canceled out by being good. Sins are forgiven. And that's why Jesus had to die. And, and so maybe the first lie that you need to put off is this lie of, you know what, I don't need a savior because my life's going pretty good, things, and I'm pretty good, and things have pretty much always worked out for me in the end, so it probably will with this too. I'm telling you, it won't. Not according to what God himself says. And God says in the Bible, he's like, look, if you buy this lie of you don't really need a savior and you die without asking Jesus to forgive you for everything and and following him, then that sin that separates you from God here on this earth will continue to separate you from him for all of eternity. And that one lie of I don't need a savior, it ruins everything telling you you have to put that off and look so if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and pledge your life to following him I'm telling you that's you you have to start there there's a sample prayer of how to do that it's in your message notes on the back at the bottom please 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 do not leave church today until you have prayed that prayer if you've never done it before okay um when I was researching for this message God helped me see six ways that we are sometimes false in, in how we interact with other people. Now, the truth is, there's probably way more than that, but um, I was spending a little bit too much time in the dentist chair, and I was feeling too convicted, so I had to get up and like, walk away from it. So I, I came up with six. You might come up with way, way more than that. So here's six ways that sometimes where we are false. There's six ways of being false. The first, it's just lies. And I didn't even make it a feeling because it's so incredibly obvious. It's just telling a straight out lie. No, but look, just because it's obvious, I don't want to 
move on and just you know, blow this off because there are some people who have trouble telling the truth. Look, here's, here's the thing. You need to understand that when you lie, you speak the same language as the devil himself. Hey, you talk the same talk. Look, I'm not saying that you are the devil, but what I am saying is that when you lie even just a little bit, you sound a whole lot more like him than you do him. And those aren't my words. That's what the Bible says. That's what God says. So we can't lie. Now, the second way that we sometimes are false is through deceptions. It's through deceptions. Look, this is, this is anytime you lead someone to believe something that's not completely true. I mean, come on, we have all done this, right? I mean, hello. I mean, and our, our kids do this. They figured out <laughs> that if, as long as they don't know, technically lie, and they omit some things uh, that are really part of the truth, that, hey, I'm good because I haven't actually lied. God says, you've still been deceptive, and that's the same as lying. And we've all tried to teach our kids that. But yet, there's still times when we are the same way because, you know, we'll omit part of the truth because, oh, it might make us look bad. Or we'll exaggerate a little bit more because we want to look better. Or we don't want to, we want to say all that because, you know, it might make somebody else feel bad or it might make things awkward. And so we end up deceiving And although technically we haven't lied, God says we have been false, which is the same as lying. Okay, here's another one. Withholding compliments. Withholding compliments is a way of being false. Because remember, look, being false is just simply not being genuine. I'm telling you, look, these next several that I'm about to give, these are the ones where God's really been hammering me this week. Um, Earlier this week, I had a staff member come to me and said, hey, Mike, I, I gotta, I'm, I'm, having, I'm struggling, and I need to talk to you. I was like, oh. I mean, immediately I get this person my full attention because, you know, I'm here to help. And so this person said, I've got to be honest with you, for the last couple of years, I've actually been struggling with you. It said, every time we talk, or every time you come talk to me, it's always because, or it seems that it's always that um, something has gone wrong, and you want me to know it. Or something could have been better, and you want me to know it. And so you never talk to me when things are going really good. And so what I've been hearing is that I'm not a good enough leader, that you don't really believe in me, that you don't really think that I can handle this, that I really don't have what it takes to make it. And so that has caused some distance between you and me. I'm telling you, the truth of what God says in this passage just, I mean, it just came rushing to my mind. And, And I realized that by withholding compliments, by by not being intentional with encouragement, that I was inadvertently sending a message to this person that this person was not valuable. I mean, look, and I wasn't doing it on purpose. I mean, it was totally by accident. I'm like, I mean, I'm busy. Like, I got, I got sermons to write. I mean, I got deadlines. I got a church to run. I mean, I got, I got a lot going on. So none of it was intentional. 
It was all accidental. But God was saying to me, he's like, look, you need to understand. When you withhold compliments and you don't tell people how you really feel, you are not being genuine. You are being false. And God says to me, he's like, hey, that is not how I think about the truth. Because telling the truth is way more than just simply not telling lies. Telling the truth is being, and not being false, is being genuine. It's being authentic. And that includes being able to tell people how you really feel and not withhold compliments just for some excuse of, oh, I'm just so busy. Because when you do that, you are not being genuine and that has to stop. Oh my goodness. I mean, I'm telling you, it's just killing me. Now, look, this Staff member, right? Like we we had this we had this incredibly healing conversation in that moment because I value this person tremendously, and this person is an amazing, godly leader, and so it was it, it ended up being such a great conversation. I'm telling you, like I'm asking God to realign my way of thinking to His way of thinking, in a big way. And so look, let me just ask you. Is there anybody in your life that you think very highly of that perhaps you haven't told in a long time? And maybe they're operating under a false set of assumptions because of your silence. I'm telling you, by withholding compliments, we inadvertently send a message, and that message is a message of being false. Because they don't know how we really feel. I mean, aren't you glad you came to church today? Isn't this fun? Like, this is great. I'm loving it. More dentist chair, please. Okay, here we go. Um, here's the next one. Minimizing offenses. Minimizing offenses. Look, when someone offends us or, you know, we, and we just say nothing and we blow it off, yet it still bothers us, the truth is we're being false. And here's the thing, you can make all kinds of excuses for, you know, why you think that person did that, but if it bothers you enough to where you talk about it with your spouse or with a close friend, then you're holding on to it. And you have just simply minimized that offense. And what you really need to do is get the air cleared because if you don't, I'm telling you, that it drives a wedge between you and that other person, it drives a wedge in your friendship, in your relationship, so much so that the next time you talk to them, like, you're going to have your guard up a little bit. And if it continues, it'll be a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, until you get to the place in your life where you're no longer genuine with that other person. You're false with them. And so God says, hey, you need to clear the air. And now look, and you can, look, you can do that in a Jesus Christ-honoring sort of way. I mean, you don't need to go up to that person and say, hey, you know what? You ticked me off last week. You owe me an apology right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. You can go to that person and say, hey, you know what? You know, you said something the other day, and you probably don't even realize that you said it, but it just re really struck me the wrong way. And here, here it is, blah, 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 blah. And, and it gives that other person an opportunity to say, Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I had no idea it came across that way. That's not how I meant it. What I really meant to say was blah, 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 blah. And, it, and that means that you keep the air clear. 
It means that from that point forward, you can continue to be genuine with that person. Because otherwise, you're being false by leading them to believe that there's no problem when really there really is. So you, you, you can't minimize offenses. You've got to keep the air clear, okay? Now, here's the next one. We're false when, by not warning others of danger. Look, as brothers and sisters in Christ, if we see someone heading down the wrong road in life, if they're doing things like flirting with a married person, drinking too much, or making moral or ethical compromise, look, as people who genuinely care about one another, God says that we've got an obligation to warn our brothers and sisters. And if we don't warn them, we are being false. Here's the next one. It's, it's keeping people at arm's length. Look, now, I'm not saying that, you know, you have to be besties with every single person that you meet, okay? But what I am saying is that if, if we aren't real, if we aren't genuine with other people, then the truth is we're inauthentic. We are being false, which is why in the fourth largest city in America, people are incredibly lonely. I mean, I talk to people all the time that they're so lonely and they have so much difficulty making friends because look, there's a really big difference between being friendly and making friends. And so look, I want to encourage you. You need to be real because it's only when you're real that you, you can actually find a sense of community with other people. And so look, I, I want to encourage you. In your small group this fall, take a chance. Take the mask off. Be real. Be authentic. Don't just put on a front trying to make everybody believe that your life is perfect when it's not. Let me just tell you a little secret, okay? Okay? They already know. Like, they already know your life's not perfect, so just go ahead and admit it. Get it out there. Ask for some help and some insight and some prayer, for heaven's sake. Be Real and stop being false. Okay. Now that we have a clear understanding about what God says honesty really is, let's go a little bit deeper and let's see why God says honesty is so important. Here's why. Number two, being honest is more about building relationships than being religious. It's more about building relationships than it really is about being religious. Um, in Ephesians 4.25, it's our verse for today. Let's read it again. It says this, is, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all, and I want you to underline these four words, members of one body. Now here again, Paul uses a very specific word, and he uses it very deliberately. The word members would have conveyed an, conveyed an incredibly powerful message to the Ephesians. But the truth is, it's a little bit lost on us when it gets translated into English. Um, the word Paul uses for members, it's a very, very specific word that is only used when talking about an organism and not an organization. For instance, when he says members, he's talking about parts of an organism like a hand or a nose or a foot, or a mouth, something like that. He's not talking about being a member of an organization, like, you know, like, hey, I'm a member at the club, or I'm a member of the booster organization, or I'm a member at the gym. This word never describes that. It only describes 
a, a part of an organism. Now, here's the weird thing. Paul's actually talking about the church here. And so many of, and many, many, many of us, we think of the church as an organization, which honestly in one sense is right because it's made up of a lot of different people and so it feels like an organization. But it's different than every other organization in the world because God says that the church is the bride of Christ. And so metaphorically, we are an organism because we are each a part of this bride of Christ and we all have different roles to play, but we depend on each other in order to make the organism function. And so what he says is that as such, we need to speak the truth to one another in love because look, we're all part of the same organism. We're all part of the same body. We're all part of the same church. We're all part of the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. As one theologian put it, he says this. He says, if the eye sees a serpent, does it lie to the foot? If the tongue tastes something bitter, does it lie to the stomach? No. And so what God's saying here is like, hey, the reason I want you not to lie, to not be false, but to really be genuine and honest with one another is because you're part of the same organism. You're part of the same church. And it has, it has a whole lot less to do with you just merely being religious and following one of the Ten Commandments. It is so much bigger than that. It is so much more about you being able to build authentic relationships so that the church, the body, can function like I've always intended it to. The command is the same, but it's not about being religious. It's about building relationships. And so here's what, how God thinks about honesty. It, this is your feeling. It says that God thinks like this. Being false creates distance in every one of my relationships while being honest creates depth. Let me give you an illustration. If God's going to change us from the inside out, he needs us to think like he thinks. And here is a great illustration of how God thinks about honesty. This is just a tape measure, regular tape measure. You can buy this at Home Depot. If you, if you are honest in your relationships, pretty soon you will be able to measure the depth of your relationships with people. That's Friends in small group, neighbors, your spouse, your kids, with your parents, it, volunteers that you serve with here at church, anywhere in life, you'll be able to measure the depth if you're honest and authentic. But if you are false, God says something very different happens. All right, here, hold this, okay? If you're false, instead... It creates distance between you and other people. And it create, it'll, it, over time, it will create more and more distance between you and your kids, your spouse, the people that you work with, the people that you serve with, people in your small group, people at church. And he says, this is what happens when you're false, when you're not genuine, when you withhold compliments, when you're not authentic when you minimize offenses. And so he says, God says, that's how I think about relationships and honesty. And that's how you need to think about it too. And so this week, look, let's ask God to please, please reveal the places where we have not been totally honest, where we have been false 
saying, okay, God, I need you to change me from the inside out in how I think. Now, look, we didn't get a chance to talk about this, but look, this is not a license to just take the gloves off and go to people and like, hey, you know what? I'm just being honest and truth hurts, you know what I'm saying? No, 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 no. Paul saw that coming a long way away, and so he heads the Ephesians and us off at the pass. Ten verses earlier when he says this, he says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. See, that's how God thinks. And if we would allow him to change our way of thinking, then he will change us from the inside out. Let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for, for not, let, not letting us off easy when it comes to lying. That, oh, it just encompasses so much more than that. And while it's painful to deal with and painful to, for you to shine the light of your holiness into those dark places of our hearts, God, we're always better off for it. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help all of us to be more authentic and genuine and real and that there would be nothing false about any of us and that you would help us to follow and mirror the image of Jesus Christ in everything that we do as you realign our thinking with yours. And I ask you to do this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.